I'll be talking to my missus this morning. Just uh, check your heart. Let's check our heart. Check your heart. All right. And um, I um, I saw a post this week that said a simple thing like, "What a year this week has been." You know. And uh, yeah, we we we've been we've been challenged and really stretched over the last week. I know last week we lost four people in five days in our church. So. Um, we had our sliding door thrown under the rock. We've had all our plumbing stolen off the back of the building. We've all had plumbing stolen off the toilet building. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a week for all of us. But in this process, you know, I just found myself just like really pushing into God and saying, God, what is it that you want for us? And I, I realized that we've become a fickle people. Now, listen to me this morning, and, and I'm not picking on anybody this morning. But you know what? We've become real soft little Christians. It, it, is, it is amazing how the smallest of things and the smallest of circumstances throw us completely off of a course. It, it is almost ridiculous this morning that, that I'm standing here and preach this message. You know, I, I sat back the other day and I just started thinking about life. You know, we do. We, we do think about... Goodness gracious, Lord, you know, we lost four people this week, and, you know, I've got the funerals of a rage, I've got families that have lost loved ones, I've got kids that are without dads, and, you know, I've got a couple of uh, women, um, a family lost one man, dad, in three days, you know, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, I believe that when we become Christians, when we become believers, there's a bulldog tenacity that we've got to grab a hold of. You know, Jesus never ever said that this walk and this Christian walk that we're going to endure is going to be all fun and roses. He never promised any of that. It's not like we come to Jesus and all of a sudden we're exempted from everything in the world. On Friday night we're chatting around with some bosses and then saying, so what are we looking at this epidemic and where are we going? And, and sort to think, you know, that the Spanish flu, I think, correction, but it lost for four years. You know, I, my granny went through the Second World War. You know, we, we don't understand what hardship is. We don't understand what suffering is. We don't understand what the disciples went through. That as they journeyed to Jerusalem, they walked past thousands of people that were hanging and slaughtered on a cross. We don't understand that they were persecuted. That in China right now, people are being killed for their belief system. We have people, and we have stories of, of people in Korea that, that have one page of the Bible. And all they do is they memorize this page constantly. Because that's all they have. We, we look in society today where, and I'm, please get me right here, but you know, us that are in our, in, in our midlife, you know, we, we, if we had to look back, and all the boys, all the men that are here, that went through army, that if we had to listen to what's happening in the world right now, and listen to the cricket players moaning, and the rugby players moaning, and the government moaning, and kids moaning. And I often think, and, and, and please, the new generation, don't get me wrong, but I wonder how many of our new generation would even survive the army. You know, how, I mean, we never, they never called us by name. They called us by a list of other stuff like this. There wasn't like, yo, I don't like your tongue with me, sergeant. It, it, it didn't happen that way. You know, we, we got three, four hours sleep a night. We had to polish our floors so we could see our faces in it. You know, and you ask your kid to clean your room this, this day, it's like, why are you picking on me? You know, life's a disaster. And it's not just, it's getting worse. And why I'm saying this because it's getting worse and worse and worse. That where was 
bones and there was this courage and there was this, this, this incredible thing in the kingdom of God. And, and even just as I-43 this week, I'm going to read now. But you know, but the Israelites, they lived in slavery for 70 odd years. They built bricks so that Pharaoh and them, you know, could basically build their palaces and that. I mean, they ate nothing. They, they had nothing. And then they go into the desert to follow this God that is going to save them and deliver them and set them free. And they ended up wandering around the desert for 40 years. You know, I can't wander around the art market for 40 minutes and I'm bored. <laughs> for 40 years, amen, thank you. But for 40 years, they endured something. And I don't think we get it though, but the endurance and the things that we go through are the very things that strengthen you, that strengthen I. We should not at any stage in our lives, yes it's bad, yes people are dying, please hear me here. Don't negate that we are in a terrible place in the country and government and finances and work and that kind of stuff, but come on, come on. When God says that we're a chosen people, a holy nation, set aside for God, for the purposes of God, surely this is the season where you and I need to rise up in the midst of chaos. Amen. We need to be the voice of reason in the COVID. We need to be a voice of reason like the people were in the Spanish flu. We need to be the voice of reason in World War I and World War II and all this crazy stuff that's happening. And we missed this. We missed this because we're so concerned about us. I need to be okay. We think this Christian walk is just that I need to be happy and I'm going to go to heaven and that's what that matters. And almost like, well, to the rest of the world. We all on own and we need to survive. And sometimes we need to check our hearts. Check our hearts in what it is that God is saying to us. Are we going to go through hard times? Absolutely. Are you going to go through financial crises? Absolutely. Are you going to go through marriage problems? Absolutely. We all go through this stuff. The thing is, is your heart that you approach it with and how much faith have you really got in God to do what He needs to do in your life. Because let me, you, let me tell you something. You and I should not be going into a crisis simply because something didn't go our way. Brandon phones me on Friday night says, he said, Pastor Good. I went to the toilet and said, no water. He gets outside all the pipes are gone. In my mind I'm thinking, oh my Lord, I cannot believe this has happened to me. And in that same second God says to me, you worry about pipes. Someone's mom's laying in a ventilator right now. Get your heart into perspective. And I had to repent. I really did. I had to repent. And say, who cares if they stole the pipe? Bless them for the 75 cents they made off it. You know, bless them. I don't know who threw out the sliding door, but whatever. It is what it is. But you see, I've got a dust of these things, these distractions and the things that the enemy throws at me because I've got to move in the purpose and the plan and the calling that God has for me. And we find in Isaiah 43, the Israelites find themselves exactly in the same place. You know, they, they've been persecuted, they've been slavery, and I'm going to touch an Old Testament, and I'm going to touch a New Testament, encouragement for all of us this morning. So here this morning, not what Kurt has to say, but what the Spirit of God has to say to you. And I want to give you a couple of pointers on how we move forward. But Isaiah 43, I'm going to read, read out the Good News translation. It says, and God speaking to Israel, it says, Israel, the Lord who created you says. <laughs> Did you get that? Harry, the Lord that created you says. 
Stephen, the Lord that created you for a purpose and a plan and a calling says. We've got to get this stuff. We've got to get this stuff that God is not this God that, that's on a big stage. He's an intimate God that when He speaks, He speaks to Jess. He speaks to Ronald. He speaks to Veronica. He speaks to Caroline. He's a personal God and He says, I'm the God. He says, do not be afraid. I will save you. He literally says, I have called you by name and you are mine. Now, now, now let's just think about that for a second because I think if there's a mother in this room, we understand that there's one thing you never touch a mother as possessions is her children. They will hurt you. Badly. And if they don't get you now, they'll get you later. But God says, you're mine. He says, you're not, doctor, you're not just like this church in Charlotte. He says, no, no, no. Individually, yeah, you're mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. He says, I don't see you as a nation. I see you as a person. And we can say, well, let's pray for the nation. Yes, let's pray for the nation. But oh my God. If we could pray that God will change individual hearts in this nation, something will shift. Instead of criticizing the government, you pray for God to have an encounter with Cyril in, the, in his bedroom tomorrow morning. I don't know if things could change. Why? Because we're going to check our hearts. It carries on and says this. It says, When you pass through deep waters, I will be with you in troubles, and they will not overwhelm you. That when you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. That hard trials that come will not hurt you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One is God, who will save you. I will give you, a, I will listen to this, I will give up Egypt to set you free. I will give up Ethiopia and Serbia. I will give up the whole nation to save your life. Amen. Yeah, I love this stuff, eh? I tell you something, if you don't get up and read your Bible every morning, I don't know what you do. Because this stuff is just the most amazing, amazing, amazing stories that he speaks about to us. In the New Testament, I want to read to you quickly. And I want to read out the Message Bible because I love it the way the Message Bible just says. Um, I want you to turn to 1 Peter quickly this morning, chapter 5. And I want you to read you this, this scripture from verse 1. So he goes on like this and he says this. He says, I have a special concern for you, church leaders. And now he's just not approaching and listening to me now because I want to speak to you because when we spoke about the Old Testament, he just approached the people. And all of a sudden, in the New Testament, Peter starts to write and he says, I want to address you as leaders. And, and I'm, I'm saying this because every person sitting in this room leads in some form or another. Whether it's two people, whether it's a business, whether it's a, a school classroom, whether it's a rugby team, whatever it might be, all of us are called to lead. And he says, you people that lead in the church, he says, I know what it is to be a leader in Christ and suffer as well as the coming glory. Here's my concern, he says, that you, that you, sorry, here's my concern that you care for the flock with all diligence of a shepherd, not because you have to, but because you want to please God and not calculate what you are going to get out of it. 
You know that thing at Kwaiki Suka Mikey? Hey, how often we can, we can gather as little groups that we offended by somebody and then we just form our own movement because, you know, that we don't like what this guy says. And we lose fact that God has called us to lead the church. That God has called us to lead people. That God has called us as men to lead our families. Verse 8, he says this, and a word of encouragement to believers, he writes, in verse 8 he says, keep a cool head. He says, keep a cool head, stay alert. Next verse, I love it, he says, the devil is poised to pounce. And would like nothing better than to catch you napping. He says, keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into this hardness. Isn't it amazing that we focus so on everyone dying and getting COVID around us, but we don't focus on the fact that we have a recovery rate of 92%. Isn't it amazing that we can, we can, our nation can be so despondent and almost want to fall off the face of the earth because we've got an 8% loss, but we cannot celebrate a 92% recovery. We lost, no, no, you know the spring bus won 1916 against the British Lions. Everyone else maybe thought it was three points. I think South Africa's one is 30 points. We don't care what the score was, we just won. That's it. We, we won. And I think we've got to get there, we've got to celebrate, not, oh, well, no, 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 we won. We won. And this is the thing that we're going to stand as believers that God is calling us and God has given us this challenge that we are winners. There are real people that can do the impossible stuff. He says, keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunging the hard time. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So I need to say this. God is not picking on you. He says, keep a firm grip on your faith. The suffering won't last forever, and it won't be long before this generous God, who has great plans for us in Christ Jesus, all right, eternal and glorious plans that are, we will have to put together, you'll put it, you'll have us put together on our feet for good, and get the last word in, yes, it does. And the word of God says it simply, that we're all enduring the stuff, we're all going through the stuff, we're all suffering, we've all got questions. But you see, we're going to change and we're going to check our hearts right now. And you might say, good job, but how do we do this? How do we check our hearts and what we do? And I want to, I want to touch on a few things this morning before we end. The first thing I want to talk about is, touch on is this, is stay focused on Him. And I put in brackets, relationship. You see, the further we move from God, the less we almost hear from God. And it's so often that, that trials and tribulations and hardship and business and that take us away from the things of God. We spoke to pastors on Friday night, you know, just, and we were saying as a group, wow, how, how distracted we've almost been with all the chaos that we ourselves are suffering as pastors because our quiet time is there and our, our Bible readings aren't there and, the, and our fellowship was taken away and how do we cope? Because what we want to do is fix stuff. But God says, no, don't fix stuff, fix this. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The out of the overflow of the relationship with Him, things change. So one, stay focused on Him. It doesn't matter what you go through, it doesn't matter what you're facing, listen to me. Make sure that He is your source 
your confidence, your guide away from the things of God. Why? Because how many of us here have kept the main thing, the main thing? How many of us have stuck to the basics? How many of us have stuck to the basics? Number three, I put here, get rid of distractions in your life. And let me tell you something, distractions is the very thing that will move you away from the presence of God. You see the enemy can't take your relationship with God, but what does he do? He takes your relationship with everything else around you. Because as Christians, if he can buckle us in our finances, where do we stand with God? When all of a sudden a loved one dies, or a dad dies, or a father dies, who do we get angry with? How does our devil use? No, no. God, why have you done this? Oh God, why have you allowed this? That when everything goes wrong, instead of going to him, we point fingers at him. And we don't understand that because of the distractions in your life and in my life, that we get moved completely away from the things of God. Completely. And we need to point out what is the things that distract us. What is the things that distract us? What are the things in our lives that keep us away from the presence of God? Number four there, I said, practice your discernment. And when I say practice your discernment, I need to say this with all kindness. Don't believe everything you read on Facebook. Don't pass on everything you read on Facebook. Because I promise you, I wake up and I wake up with 120 WhatsApp messages on a good day. You know, we've got 900 people. If a third of them send me a message, I'm full on the mornings. But I wake up in the morning and before I can even have my first cup of coffee, I've read about the new world order and the mark of the beast and the conspiracy theories and the microchip that is in the vaccine and this and that and this and that and there's so much drama let me tell you something the world is more confused now than it's ever been everyone becomes medical doctors everyone knows exactly how the vaccine was produced people even know what the mark of the beast looks like you know people are amazing they're just incredible and we read this junk Instead of getting to the Word of God, say, what does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God say? We make the stupidest decisions in our lives because of what people say. Someone spoke to me the other day and spoke to me about the vaccine. And a, a good Christian woman, solid in the Word of God. And she said to me, what is your opinion on it? And I'm not going to give you my opinion because it will cause but I simply said this to her. What does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? Is this the fact? Is this the antichrist? Is this the mark of the beast? I said, what does the word of God say? Where will the mark of the beast be? On your forearm, on your head? Are they injecting you in your head? What does the word of God say? Start to operate in your discernment. Guys. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is within you. You should, you have got an unfair advantage. It doesn't matter what situation you walk into, you have got a higher knowledge of what's going on around you. Why? Because you've got the spirit of God in you. 
And if you've got the Spirit of God in you, the moment you walk into an ungodly place, that Spirit will let you know. He said, watch your words. Fifthly, Tom said it on Sunday, on Wednesday night in our worship. You know, as believers, we speak more in death than we speak life. The Word of God says that, that life and death is in the tongue. Life and death is in the tongue. And somewhere along the line, we believe that the more we speak, every time we declare this stuff, do you know what happens? I mean, my sister tell a while back, I'm so sick of being sick. I'm so sick of vitamins. I can't even. Because we're all going to do this stuff. But we don't understand this. We don't understand in the day that our words are important. That whatever we say declares something. And I put in brackets here, let's be the good news guys. Let's be the good news guys. Amen. Like when they told me the world is falling to peace, I said, no, no, no. Jesus is going on the throne. Oh, they, oh, we only got 50 people in the church. Praise God, we got 50 people in the church. Because in China, they cannot meet at all. They actually bulldoze in the churches down there. Don't tell me we've got a crisis. We haven't got a crisis, we're blessed. Jesus only had 12. And he never moaned about the fact that he only had 12. We got four times that amount of moaning. Because somehow we, we think that this yeah reflects this. It doesn't. You see, what's here has to reflect that. And it has to reflect him through us to the world out there. I said, we need to understand that people are more ready for the word now than ever before. Amen. Do you know what the problem is? Is that when I hear an unbeliever telling me about this hard life that he has, Instead of the Christian says, saying, but God, I hear the Christian fall in and go, yes, sir, you're right there. God, life is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, we're going through some stuff ourselves. Eh? You know, and all of a sudden we fall into this, this negative conversation instead of being the good news guy. Yeah. But God. But God. In the midst of chaos. But God. In the midst of family crisis. But God. In the midst of finances, by God. In the midst of church, by God. Let us be the good news men and the good news women to the world out there. The word, the world is ready for the word of God. Let me tell you something. The harvest is ripe. The problem is that we want to tell everybody that everything's going to be okay. Instead of telling people that if things not okay, what are you going to do? And how many of us right now are preaching Jesus, the hope of glory? How many of us now are preaching Jesus, the one that can turn this thing around? How many of us are preaching Jesus to the lost and the needy? I've never seen so many hurting and broken people in my life as what is out there at the moment. We've never been better positioned for revival right now. And when I speak about revival, I'm speaking about the church and falling over. That's not what I'm speaking about. When I speak about revival, I'm speaking about people coming to the knowledge of Jesus in droves. And all they need is a good news guy. All they need is a good news girl. They start his soul down, they check their heart. And say, Father, you know the most important things I say, focused on you. 
and I just want to get back to the basics of God and I want to get rid of distractions in my life and, and I want to practice my discernment and I want to practice your presence and I want God just to come and be that good news guy and I want to rise above my past. And I left that last step, rise above your past. Because the thing is, we always default to that. That whenever we speak, we speak about the good old days. Like there's never going to be any good days in the way, in the way ahead. Remember when, Eric. Remember when this happened, Harry. Remember when this happened. And we almost negate what God wants to do because we're reminiscing on what He's done. People aren't interested in your BC stories. People want to know what happened to your life once you turned the corner. People want to know what God has done in your life. And I think we're in a season right now, church, where we have to start to check our hearts in the season. You're alive. You've made 18 months of COVID. You're still sitting here. You've still got a roof over your head. You're eating food, maybe not the best, but you're eating. And we know this too shall end. Because God will be glorified in this. God will be glorified in the season when God will be glorified in what we gave through right now. But you know something, as we read there in First Peter 5, he says everyone is going through this. Oh, but at the end of the day, when things have just come to an end, may we be the men and women that are still standing firm. Yes, we might have a weak knee. Yes, we might have a little bit of a blue eye from the challenge and the fight that we got. But you know what? We're alive. And we're well. And God says there in First Peter, and this will come to an end. And I will breathe life into you again. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but come on, let's make some changes. Let Him become God in our lives. Let the good news, the good news of Jesus, be the only news that moves us. May we have discernment to see what is of God and what is not of God. Because let me tell you something, in the midst of the chaos that is happening right now, people are seeking for church. They're seeking for good leaders. They're seeking for elders that will mentor them. They're looking for mentors that will help them. And if we are the true church of Jesus Christ will not stand up, you know what? There will be little pockets all over of false churches and false doctrines rising up and meeting people at their place of need. If we don't, and then we can't be angry and say, oh, but this guy's doing this, that one's preaching this, that one's doing that, that one. No. They're doing that stuff because we're failing. Because the Word of God says, and the truth shall set you free. And if we're not preaching the truth, we're not setting anybody free. And if nobody's being set free, you know what happens? Quite a supermarket. And all of a sudden, we've got a whole church that's despondent. The whole Christianity is despondent. The whole nation is despondent. And yet, we're in a season where we need to stand firm in what God's called us to do. We're in a season right now, church, where we need to check our hearts. Because we need to do what God has called you and I to do. Rise above your circumstance. Rise above what is happening in the world right now. And be the good news guy and the good news woman. And I pray that God will pour out his abundance upon you. In closing, I um, was sharing with the, with the, with the pastors on, on Friday night.
and Steve was laughing because I said I've been watching the Olympics and I love the Olympics. You know, I've been loving the whole the thing. It's, it's craziness. But I said I was so touched by these shot put guys who was watching this little black note like of ours, you know. 21 years old, 150 kgs. I mean, that guy doesn't need your OB. He cheats the next week. You know, he's, he's massive. But I watched these massive men, massive men, shot put this ball. I don't even know how much it weighs. I don't, I don't know how much, you know. But I said, you know, because the interesting thing was that they would turn and they would throw in the circle. Well, you know the shot put is. One of the eh? And they would spin and they would turn and they would throw. And, if they, and, and then the guy sitting there would go red flag or white flag, you know? And the white flag would be that everything was okay in the circle and this throw is legal. And it was amazing how many people would throw. You know, the world record is 22.80 something. And most people would throw 21.80. So they're, they're far away from the world record. But you know how many people spun through and weren't happy with their throw? Well, know what they did? They stepped out of the circle and they disqualified themselves on purpose. And when I saw that, I thought, God, how many of us disqualify ourselves on purpose? Oh, Lord, I'm not good enough. Let me tell you something. I would give anything to throw that mega ball 21 meters. I would give anything to throw that in 5 meters. But sometimes we've got this thing that our best is not good enough. And we don't understand that there are millions of people all over the world that will stay in that circle, doesn't matter what they throw. Don't you dare step out of the circle. Because let me tell you something, the more you stay in the circle, the better you're going to get at what you do. It's not your decision whether you qualify or not. It's his decision whether you qualify or not. You see, he puts up the red or the white flag. Not you. Let's say. Father, I want to thank you for this time. Just um, yes. We're living in a world, Father, and yet I know there's a song that used to sing that says, and you still got the whole world in your hands. And I don't doubt for a minute that you still have the whole world in your hands. Father, we read the gospel where you said that the harvest is ripe, the labor is of you. Father, may we walk or row away from the island of self-pity we find ourselves in. May we move away from the distractions that we have and the crowds on the deck of the enemy. And this morning we read, the enemy is going around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. In both scriptures, he says, I will save you and I will deliver you and I will set you free. And I don't know what it is that you're going through right now. You might be going through a really hard time in family or relationships or finances or whatever it might be. You might be going through a really hard time in ministry and even as a pastor this morning listening. And I want to say to you this morning, let's check our hearts. Let's ask ourselves, why do we do the things that we do? May we check what it is that comes out of our mouth. Because if we want to be the good news guy, the good news girl, we're going to check what comes out of our mouths. 
And I pray, O Spirit of God, that you would touch every person at their place of need this morning. Doesn't matter what they're facing, you are more than enough. You are the God of the impossible. Thank you for your love and your grace. And I pray for healing of every person right now in this room and online. I pray that your sickness would be removed from you. I pray that healing would flow through your body right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that your relationships would be restored and more than that your relationship with Him would start to burn like a fire. I pray that you put a guard in front of our mouth to speak that we may only speak life. I pray right now, Holy Spirit of God, that you'd start to bring an end to the chaos in this world and the virus and all these kinds of things. But oh God, may you cause the people to rise out of the Maori clay. We think of Ezekiel 37, Father, he says that he saw a valley of dry bones. And oh, you said to that Ezekiel, you said to him, son of man, prophesy. And today I prophesy over our nation. And I prophesy this morning that this nation will be a godly nation again. I pray over this nation, I prophesy that dead bones will arise and bone and marrow and joints and muscle will come together. And I pray this morning, I prophesy that a mighty army will arise out of the dust of COVID in the 2020 and the 2021 year. And that we will be stronger than we've ever been before. And we will be braver than we've ever been before. And we more understand more of an anointing than we've ever had before. Oh, but Lord, may our hearts be pure. May our hearts be pure this season, I ask. In Jesus' name.